Doing all right? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling a little scattered. Yeah. I'm feeling a little scattered. Do you need to cancel this? Or no, get no, this is fine. I'll be able... I mean, I might not be at my best, but I'll be serviceable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like okay, that was my best. All right, so we're going to get serviceable, Aaron. Yeah, you're going to get... That was just like... Well, you know what I know? The competency was at a good enough bar that I felt okay about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if I felt that I had to cancel because I was going to be... Gotcha. enough, I would do that. Well, I have fantastic news for you. How's that? Um, the text today is a familiar one, oh. which might help All right. on a lower capacity day. All right. Yeah? Although I have some caffeine, so I'm chatty. hey <laughs> <laughs> and let me see. Uh, did I say fifth? Fourth. Fourth Sunday of Lent. Sorry, okay. I got to switch. Fourth Sunday of Lent, and it is Luke 15. Lectionary has it as Luke 15, verses 1 through 3, and then 11b through 32. So there's probably a reason for that. Let's find out why. Luke, sorry, say so Luke, Luke 15, and it says verses 1 through 3, and then verse... Um, oh. 11. Oh, it just introduces I it. I say 11B. I could see why. But anyway, 11 through 32. It's in order yeah. to get the context yeah. instead of doing all three parables. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So we'll follow that because I think that's that's a way to do it. Um, who wants to read this week? I will. Awesome. Go for it. Now the text collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother has come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound.' The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, "'Look, 
All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, but you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your generous love shown to us. We give you thanks for your welcome extended to us, even when we have strayed away. And we give you thanks for the welcome you extend to us, even when we do not understand and cannot celebrate the grace that you show to others. God, we ask that the very spirit of your son, Jesus, that was upon him as he spoke these words and that was upon Luke as he wrote them down, that that same spirit would be upon us as we study and explore these words and be on each and all of those who listen in, that they too may be led to a deeper understanding and more importantly, a deeper attunement to uh, the gentle grace of you as you have shown it in your son, Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen. Well, there you have it. Luke 15, prodigal son. Can I ask a question here? Do it. So in in what I just read, the first mm-hmm. time that prostitutes are mentioned <laughs> is the older brother that mentions squandered your property yep. with prostitutes. Yep. And earlier, the reader only knows that he had wild living. And I was wondering, what's, the, what's wild living there? Yeah, let's check it out. Because otherwise, I'm like, kind of seems like some projection. Right? I, the older brother is like, that's what he would do if he was going to squander the money. So I, I'll look it up here in a sec, but I'll remember this important principle here is I, the way we visualize both in our minds as well as even like in storybooks. Like for me growing up as a church kid, pastor's kid, I grew up around a lot of church storybooks. And I, I can picture the image of his like... Well, I think it's probably some of the first uh, prostitutes. <laughs> this is the signal, you know, like the the signaling of that, mm-hmm. the 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 way that that's kind of rendered in a child appropriate way, you know, mm-hmm. like that he's off partying, right? And and it was only recently. I mean, it was last. It was just maybe a year ago. It couldn't have been much more when I was talking about this text with my wife, and and she was working on a sermon using it. And when I had that first realization, like, oh my goodness, like. His description's not identical to... Right. Yeah, I just got it <laughs> when I was reading that. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. And it sounds like, I mean, it's a new... And I realized, like, how much, though, like, the way that 
certain information we get in a passage that we take every voice as reliable in a way that maybe yeah. we shouldn't. There's yeah. a character in the story. And our imagination is formed by how we've already been, we've already That's read That's right. Or been shown pictures of it, right? Yeah. So, so what verse is Wild Living? Wild Living is verse 13. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'll just I'll just read it real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, and just just to point out to the, the, the listeners is that we, if you're familiar with the biblical text, you're already bringing interpretations to yeah, it. Yeah, you can't but not do you that. You can't not Nothing do it. Right? It just happens. But to but sometimes it takes posturing yourself in a mm-hmm. different way, reading the passage in a different translation that you normally read right. it in, reading it out loud as opposed to internally, reading it slowly as opposed to quickly. Pondering over certain words, all those ways are ways that we can kind of deconstruct our interpretation yep. to get back to the the text. So yeah. it becomes a fresh text. Oh, there you go. Well, I was on a. I, 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 that's why I wanted to do that meta comment about like what's informing, yeah, like and how how it can actually be pretty difficult and even a little troubling sometimes to kind of let loose of yeah. certain. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. It's all about like reading out loud, even your body posture. Like yeah. I remember yep. how I would see new things if I stood up and walked while reading mm-hmm. that I don't see when I'm sitting down. Mm-hmm. You just have a different experience of the text. Yeah. But yeah, so let me look at verse 13, I believe it was. Yep, verse 13. So, um, and there, I'll start with the second half. And there, Dioscopizane, uh, he squandered it. That's the squandering. Okay. Um, the closest thing to prodigality that you'd see um you know tain usion autu the wealth of him the substance of him his substance um so his estate his 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 uh inheritance um zoen asotos zo living asotos i don't know this word i've got another translation here though just okay. for variety uh he, where he's Squandered his estate with loose living. Loose, loose okay. living. I want to look it up. Interesting. Can we look it up? Sure. Well, and and just to again keep on going, this yeah, go for we, it. We so often consider this a story of of prodigal son, and I remember the first time I looked up what does what does prodigious yep. mean? Yep. And and it doesn't mean what I thought it would mean. <laughs> you know, it can mean generous and extravagant. That's right. And and there's a way that we could read that into the son's living that this is kind of like wildly extravagant. But I also know that the one who's actually generous in this passage is actually the father. Like when I actually realized that this is what the word prodigal meant, I was like, that's the the son's not prodigal in this. I mean, we use it in a way that's like wander has wandered and has -hmm. has gone away, but that's uh, to be prodigious is, is to be generous. And so it's the father who's this celebratory effusive person who's, who's willing to celebrate. And uh, anyways, well, and even there it's like, it helps to even say like, and prodigal doesn't occur, doesn't occur in the passage that I read. No, but no, we often think of it as prodigal son, right? That's how we title it. I think prodigal in the in the medieval world, which would probably be affecting that naming as it came into English in our modern discourse. Like prodigal would be the term used for the so like a virtue is an ex, is a is a mean between two extremes. Okay. So liberality or generosity is the is the right virtue, right? That you're you're not too attached to your stuff. You're willing to give it to those who need it and desire it, right? And if you're, if you're stingy, right, if you're a miser, you are, have too little liberality or too little generosity. And if you're a prodigal, this is just talking the medievals, and I'm just wondering if this term helps us kind of see how this got named. Um, prodigal meant um, 
an excess of that. Too a little too liberal, a little too giving, a little too generous. Mm-hmm. Where you'll just give all the time with no attention to what would be like you might just give stuff away and leave your child, you know, do a, a stranger and leave mm-hmm. your children hungry, that kind of thing, right? Where so it's the opposite of a miser. Gotcha. It's the opposite extreme, Absolutely. right? Yep. And so, but that even helps though, and it's still helpful to call him the prodigal father because in a way he's kind of doing that, right? Yep. Like yep. that's exactly what the son. Like the son, in a sense, is the miser, or he's wanting the other, the older son. Mm-hmm. He's wanting the father to be not so prodigal, mm-hmm. not so prodigious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just riffing off what you're saying yeah. that like there is a vicious kind of prodigality, mm-hmm. right? Where it's just a complete uh, disregard for what's prudent and wise, you know? Um, but uh, so it, obviously the son engages in that he gets a bunch of money and wastes it right it just means wasting right um but then the father is the one also who's kind of like wasting Wasting, this calf you know who's not yeah what else do you notice what else jumped out at you a lot of different parts of repetition in this in this story okay um so the son's uh rehearsed phrasing father i have sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son he gets down when he actually comes to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, right? There's there's the repetition um, of that there. The father's words about the son. Uh, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Um, the son, uh, then he repeats that to the son, the elder son. Um, we had to celebrate and be glad this brother of yours was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. Like there's a repetition there. Hmm. Um, uh, it has the... In verse 13, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The older son, when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes mm. come home, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. And, of course, the, the fattened calf was also referenced. Um, the father, when he said um, – or when it's told to the older brother, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Like there's just there's, – there's ways that the story has elements that are repeated at different points, sometimes by the same character, sometimes in the mouths of other characters. But I, there's a number of uh, repetitions in the story. Yeah, it's the – I mean, so you have repetitions internal to the story and then we didn't get into it. But the repetitions with the other uh, parables here and it's just yeah. constant like – yeah, wanting are- to reiterate it over and over, yeah. right? Um, With an increase in value. So this comes after the one sheep out of a hundred is lost and right. is found. One coin out of ten is lost and is found. One son out of two is lost. Like this ah, increase of value that's nice. consistently. It's like becoming more and more important. Yeah, that seems to fit. Um, I mean, even in the story then, like you get the kind of ramping up, like this son of yours, Right. Those little subtle things. Um, Like, at least for me, like, when I first notice repetitions, I hear it as like an emphasis. Mm -hmm. And then the more time I spend with it, repetitions draw my attention to any subtle changes in the language. So one of those is one we already mentioned, which is the identifying of, you know, he wasted your money with prostitutes. It's more specific, right? Perhaps baseless perhaps not but still more than the narrator says uh and then the son of yours is so i mean that that language is really oh yeah <laughs> i mean not my brother yeah not even your son um but this you know your son yeah right i mean 
I mean, we'll sometimes say that as a joke in our family, you know, where I'll be like, you know, like, you know, look what your daughter's doing, you know, (laughs) kind of, and it's usually actually, oh, that just dawned on me when we say that humorously, it's usually when they're doing something either like that you don't want to (laughs) claim or when they're specifically, I mean, I know I'll say it when Clara, my daughter is doing something that's just like straight out of the Mandy playbook. Like she's acting like Mandy, you know, like, and I'm Mm. saying you know? Yeah. And that comes back to this theme of the, the prodigality yeah. of the father. Yeah. It's like, he learned this from you. You know, it's yeah. almost, that's almost implicit in, yeah. um, no wonder he, no wonder he, uh, runs off and wastes and then comes back entitled yeah. because you've given him every reason yeah. to believe that that's, that's how it. things work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, really both in, Thereby, he's he the older son is revealing his lack of knowledge of the father. Both both yeah. of them are like both in different points. They both reveal they don't understand who the father is. That um, the, like the younger son is anticipating that he has to kind of work his way back into father's good graces, right? Like make me like one of your hired men. And interestingly, mm. when that's re- repeated, that line is left out. Like there's a textual note that it's in some manuscripts, early manuscripts, but. You know, in others, it's obviously not that that yeah. part of the repetition is left out. But the very fact that he's saying, make that one of your hired yeah. men, you know, that's part of his rehearsed phrasing shows that he didn't understand the father. Like the father is looking for him, is waiting for him to come back. And the elder son doesn't get the father either as if like the father's not withholding these goats from his elder son. Like, like the party's just waiting to happen. But, but neither of them from different angles don't, un- neither of them understand who he is. They don't know. They don't know the man who's their dad, which is an interesting uh, point to say as well. Wow. Yeah. The, how much they have in common is, is definitely striking me. Yeah. Um, Well, we've already been digging in a lot. Let's just take one little short break, take a quick breath, then come back and maybe dig in a little and chase down some of these bunny trails. back and Aaron has a lot of caffeine uh we'll see if that shows yet <laughs> my remarkable insights are already <laughs> or perhaps the confusion caused by uh <laughs> I love this phrase verse 17 when he came to his senses yeah when he came to his senses it just it I mean it's like um that movie with Will Ferrell and um uh that other guy was in Rain Man, not Tom, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, yeah. yeah. What was that movie called? Rain, um, Dustin Hoffman and Will Ferrell. They were in a movie together. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it had uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I know what you're talking and, about. And it's yeah, like, Stranger uh, Than Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And he says he could he could build a whole book on little did little did he know right like like yeah. when he came to his senses has that kind of striking to me in this passage. Yeah. Like you can build a whole sermon on. When he came to his senses. Yes. That especially if you were to play with that in the wild living, it's like he's after something sensual, right? He that's wants right. something that's, that's, gonna, right. that's going to excite him. And it took him coming to the point of, oh, this chasing after these things l- left me in a spot that um, my senses actually weren't met. I mean, I don't know if that's actually in the words, but there's ways that you could play off that. This phrase, when he came to his senses... Um, 
What does it say? He came Strike to him. senses and he said, yeah, oh, dude, the, this is going to like lightly contradict what you said, but actually confirm it on a deeper level. So here it is. Just in case, if I only get half this idea out, Aaron, Aaron's going to wonder. Like, I was for the record, that had nothing to do with your feelings. <laughs> it actually just like literally all right, all right. was the way I took it. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about your feelings there. It's a biblical study. We don't care about Ice Hiauton Elthon coming unto himself. Coming to himself. Right? And the most the, the dynamic yeah. equivalence of that in our parlance would be coming to his senses. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's actually kind of striking. Because it's 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 a just a word image in Greek as well. It doesn't mean like he was somewhere else and he came to himself. It doesn't make any sense, right? Just like he had his senses were working. Yeah. The, the, it's it's a it's a metaphor either up. way, yeah. right? But he came to himself. Yeah. I just think that's really striking. But the language of senses even appears even in 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 the sense of sensuality and desire. You see in verse sixteen, right? Um, and he was longing to fill his stomach. Right. Yeah. Epithume. This is this is the word for desire or um, longing, lust, uh, sensuality. It's 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 the word used. It's the same root word for the 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 faculty of the soul. And the Greek philosophers would use to describe the kind of yeah. sensual the desire. Passion, he, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Passions. Yeah. Um, so like thumos is just anger or ire, whereas epithumos is that. That desire, that passion for sensual things, for things of touch and taste. Um, so you see him kind of wasting his money on that in a good way, runs out of money. Now he's wanting the pods. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, right? Like, <laughs> um, I'm coming to myself, right? I'm yeah. not just caught up in a trap of yeah. my sensual needs, yeah. right? But like, wait, who am I? You could even say that the coming to himself drives even deeper into, wait a minute, I'm my father's son. I, I have, I have, you know, I have an opportunity somewhere, even if it's selfish to go and get better well-fed as a servant in my father's home. Um, and, and the, the first century dyadic personality, like who you are is deeply connected with who you're related to. Right. Right. And, and this very, um, rude challenge to his father to give him his share of estate, like a kind of divorce, right? Mm-hmm. To, to be out from under his father's umbrella, protection, there's a sense of finding himself in that. There's a sense of wanting to, wanting to come to himself out of his own action, right? Give me what's coming to me so that he can, the family can be ruptured. And that's exactly what happens to him. He does come to himself, but not in the way that he thinks it's is going to happen. That's not, right. Not in the timing, not in the right timing, not in the way that he thinks is going to happen. What he wants to happen happens, but when it's outside his control, you know, I, th- I start to think about that providentially, right? The different moments that we think we're, we're, we're taking the reins, we're taking charge, we're, mm. we're uh, manufacturing our, our own way in order to achieve something. And that thing happens, but, in a way that completely undercuts the music yeah. we took, right? Completely undercuts our, our method. There's, uh, there's deep pointing to the the brilliance of the of God's providence here. And I'm I'm trying to think about how would I think about that in terms of the Father revealing the Son here, mm-hmm. because it's it's interesting. On the one hand, He treats the younger Son by giving him what He wants. Mm-hmm. You know, He He, he lets him go, and He and 
He doesn't control him. With the other son, he he goes out to him. He isn't willing for him to stay out on his own. He lets, That's true. He, he that is a contrast. Son, he, he, he lets one son go off on his own. But the other son, he goes he goes out to him not to leave him on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of a codependent behavior. Like, you got a grump standing outside the party. And, you're, you know, in some ways, you say, like, well, leave the grump to himself. But that's not what the father does. The father goes right. out to him. Right. And there's there's different like he's tailored his action to the sons in different in different ways. One, he's let be his own person, but the other one he hasn't. He's gone out to him. Yeah. To meet him where he is. Yeah, because he runs out to the son, but he doesn't go chasing him. When yeah. he's off, he he's go. off. Yep. Yeah. 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 He lets him go. And Wow. Yeah, yep. no, that co- contrast is really, really strong. He lets one go in his immaturity, and the other one's immaturity, he goes out to him. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because they're different kinds of immaturities. Mm-hmm. That's a good insight. Because it's easy to kind of, like, I know as a child, as a, a child's maybe not the right word, up even through my teen years, all I knew of this story was the younger brother. That was the focus of the narrative, right? This conversion story, coming home, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was such a discovery in my 20s, it was, that like, wow, actually a lot of the energy is directed towards the older son and how he's responding to it, right? And that gets the last word the last of the word, story yeah. and the framing device of he was saying this to Pharisees who were mad yeah. that he was sitting with sinners, yeah. right? When you put it in context, you're like, okay. Um, and it's actually helpful now to have you're even helping me kind of like see that really in a way the focus is both sons and it's the father. It's about the way the father attends to, it's not really who's the bad son and who's the good son. I mean, I'm, I'm a... I have one brother. I have an older brother. So it's really easy for me to just like immediately think like, okay, well, who's the, who wins? <laughs> and it's really nice to kind of see them both yeah. in a journey of in being invited. Yeah. I was going to say a journey of transformation, but actually, I don't think we actually see the, the interior transformation of either son. I mean, this is this is controversial, but it goes back to what you pointed out when it says he came to himself. I remember having quite a lengthy debate. It was actually interesting because it was in a class with two professors that I had when I was in grad school. And um, it was in seminary. I should be more specific. And it was a, a New Testament professor and a, and a um, theologian um, who is a Christian but of Jewish heritage, grew up Jewish and was an adult convert. Um, it was a fascinating course, but they didn't agree on this question because it was actually like a debate amongst the students and amongst them. So it was definitely unsettled of whether the, whether the elders, the younger son is repentant, you know, and, and the, uh, one of the profs was very strongly stating like, no, he's just, he just knows where the good food is. (laughs) He's just coming home. It's a selfish act. Um, and the father's gracious anyways, right? That was like how he really, one of the profs really emphasized it. Um, and that fits your notion of this providence of how sometimes we're even making good choices, but not necessarily for the most mature reasons, yeah. right? But that God uses that anyway. Yeah. So that, the, so that maybe the repentance comes later, right? Well, the only... Um, but of course, the phrase coming to himself, coming to his senses... Um, might have a kind of implicit repentance mm-hmm. in it. But even if so, like you said, the repentance is not been, uh, been, uh, fully transformed to a true knowledge of God because it's, it's definitely a, or of the, not of the father, right? It's not, you know, just coming home and receiving grace. It's all, oh, how can I pay you back? You know what I mean? Like the, the only bit that the only information we have after the father interrupts his son 
And, and he actually doesn't speak to his son. Everyone knows that. <laughs> right. Father, wow. I have sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer wow. worthy to be called your son. The father doesn't speak to his son. He says, he said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandal on his feet. But he does address the older son. That's another change. There's another difference hmm. that, that when I picture the blocking of the story as, as it's coming through, son comes to the father. The father has been looking for him, but in the moment he doesn't address him. He addresses one of the servants. And then the only thing we hear about it is, um, so they began to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So there's certainly an a, a implication that the younger son is celebrating. He's mm-hmm. with the celebration. But there's a way in which his story is still unfolding. There's still some cliffhanging to it, which, of course, is... We really don't know what this is going to be like. Definitely the cliffhanger of... Does the does the elder son come in or not? Right, like like I'm left with I'm thinking about like series a series finale that mm-hmm. ends with some kind of fading to black with you're kind of writing in the own en- your own ending, right? Which of course is the point of Jesus' story, yeah. Is right to leave these people on and and maybe when I think about the the sinners that he's eating with, right? The, mm-hmm. This whole passage has started with uh, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, right? It's the way that. Okay, they're initially celebrating, right? Like they're 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 responding to the to the grace of the Father who is welcoming them in in this party of Jesus, but it's still open ended for them. That's right. And of course, in Luke, we know that they all desert anyways, right? Right. Like, they don't like their transformation isn't complete. Yeah, and right? some of the passages we've already been doing in Lent, it's very clear that Jesus says, you know, all are welcome, but yeah, count the cost, yeah, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah, come, but there is a like it's very. That's why it's helpful to even highlight that unfinished character of the story, because in a sense that Jesus is not expecting the fruits of repentance prior to being in community with him, right? But he does summon it forth from those who are in community with him, right? You track what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, and I think there is some implication that, I don't know, that the son maybe won't do this again right like it's not it's it's not that like it's not a strings attached kind of way but the invitation is you're home now um are you going to take another half of what's left of the you know it's like mm-hmm. no you're going to be back in part of the home but there's not this implication that it was no big deal it's that you were dead and now you're alive yeah um it was, it was there, there is no bigger deal <laughs> yeah this is it this is it and it was lost it is found. And I think that's relevant. It helped me see what you were talking about with the different, just backtracking a second in verse 20. You're right. It doesn't say anything to him, but he does, he does interact with him, right? He embraced him yep. and was giving yep. kisses to him, yep. right? So he doesn't even use words, hmm. right, with his son. The son needs that physical encounter, right? The, the younger son, right? Mm-hmm. That's what lets him know he's sure, back. Sure, and that's sure, also sure. public in front of the servants, right? Um. Right. And he ignores his, his statement. Right. And just and like you said, this is a second point to that. You were mentioning the the dyadic personality dynamics, right, mm-hmm. where it's like by hugging and kissing him in front of his servants and by commanding his servants to go do all of this, he without saying it is implying he's saying without saying you are back in. You are my yeah, son. You are not dead to me, yeah. which is what yeah. the whole town would have thought. Yeah. Right. Um, it's actually more meaningful than saying it. Ah, oh, you're my son. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm treating you like my son. Yeah. I'm going to actually do the actions that I would do yeah. if you had gone off to war and we thought you died. Yeah. This is what you'd do, right? I mean, that's kind of, that just dawned on me now that that's what this scene would be. Where, where would this scene make sense? Well, it would make sense if he was 
off to war and everyone thought he died and then he came home. You know, and it'd be like, no one would object. There wouldn't be any objection to that. It would be an honoring thing to do to celebrate the coming home of the son. With the the caveat that it's more like the son who went off to war was found to be a traitor and thought had died a traitor. Yeah, and well, that had come back. I'm saying that's what this would be like, but then you wouldn't show the have the party. I'm trying to say like, what would make the party make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, like who? When would the when would the, what what kind of party would the son would the elder son not object to? Do you know what I mean? Would be if uh, if they no, no I, your example matches perfectly. Like Jesus's story. I was trying to say like, when would you ever throw a party? Oh, okay. you know what I mean? Like that would be a normal thing to do. If yeah, right, you right. really actually thought your son was dead yeah, yeah, and he came back alive, like no one, no neighbor would object to that. Like, oh, of course we're going to have a party. But yeah, no, you raise an eyebrow if you're a traitor or you're off wasting your father's well, money. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the father's embrace of the son doesn't just have implications for him and the son. It has implications for the for the servants who are also under the father's umbrella. That's right. And so his honor has implication for, for their importance, That's their ability. That's true. And there's a way that what he has done is is scandalous, mm-hmm. has implications for them. Yep. Yep. And so they're often a they're often a mistaken or I shouldn't say they're often. I don't pay attention to the servants. You're and right. yet evidently they obey the father. Yeah. Right? They obey the father's command to do something which would be very dishonorable. Right? For the father to have for there to be no repercussions and simply to reassociate himself with a traitor. Yeah, would have implications for these servants, and yet they obey him, right? They they still do that, and even as that gets carried out, like you're saying that this hasn't this doesn't just have implications for the father and his household, but for the town from where this fellow comes from. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense in which when a traitor comes home, it's like that's the shame of the whole town that they produced yeah. this this man, and so this this is a dangerous thing the father's doing. This is a dangerous thing that he is taking on the shame of his son. In doing this. And it's also shame. It's also dangerous going out to the elder son because he is now entertaining defiance. He is now entertaining That's a true. challenge to his honor. That's a good insight. I don't know if I'd saw, seen that before that, that there's a great act of compassion in him and, and a great, another great act of the fathers in the story, um, disregard for proper protocol and yeah. proper order. I mean, order can't be kept if honor can't be, you know, uh, distributed right. properly. Yeah. Um, that's true in all societies, but especially in an ancient society uh, like this, um, that this was operating in. Oh, you're right. Because, I mean, yeah, you're, the son not coming to the party was a big insult, not mm-hmm. just to his brother, but but to his father. Probably bigger to the father since bigger the father's father. hosting yeah. the party. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his, the brother, he would at least be... I mean, well, the elder son's honor is challenged because the younger son has come back in and he's going to inherit the household. I was going to say. So so he's going to be the one that's going to... He's going to have to take care of him. <laughs> he's got to take care of the riffraff, right? And or, or cut him off. And he has a legitimate reason to worry that when the father dies, he's going to ask for half. Uh, yeah. Half of the half. Uh, yeah. That right? He's uh, he's going to be under his umbrella. He's going to be yeah. under, under his social covering. And so, Yeah. This son of yours, I mean, he's already started to try and cut him off. He's already starting to cut off this. But that is a major challenge to the to the father's honor. Just like the son's challenge to the father's honor at the start. Give, give me half right now. Right? Give me my, or not half, but give me my share of the estate um, right now is already a challenge. And this father is like he's operating on a different plane. 
<laughs> the more we talk about it, I'm like, this father's an idiot. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the he's the he is prodigious. Which then makes it happen because then it does help to parallel to these other stories before. What shepherd leaves ninety nine to go get one? Mm-hmm. Like something could happen to the other ninety nine, mm-hmm. right? It's like, um, um. Some woman misses work in order to go look for a coin. Why don't you just you know, like just move on? Like po- possibly spends more on the party than what yes. we lost in the first place. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. So the the prodigality is all over it. Hey, backtrack way back from earlier, but it's good because we're coming back to prodigality. I finally looked it up at a moment earlier um, during that long break. No, uh, <laughs> um, this is the that word. Um, you know. You know, asotos or whatever. Oh, wild living. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Asotos um, is what is sometimes translated prodigal. Um, so it's it can be wasteful. It can mean loose. Um, hence, like loose, ergo loose women, ergo prostitutes. But it's all connotational. There's nothing from the little bit of quick research I was doing. There's nothing that absolutely confirms that he was um, engaged in. So yeah, no, I think we don't, we don't have any reason to, I don't think we have any reason to doubt that the older brother is correct, that there were prostitutes involved, but we also don't have any reason internal to the story to not think that the brother is not exaggerating as well. Um, And it fits the, the context, right? So Mm. I mean, even the fact that the the narrator, let's say it was, he was he was engaged in uh, sexual misconduct, we'll say, right? Um, it uh, or worse, more specifically, like sex trafficking, right? Not as a trafficker, but as a as a consumer, right? Um, it's interesting that the narrator chooses to say it in a delicate way, and that the el- the elder mm. son chooses to say it in such a Stark way, mm. right? Um, that's even relevant. The yeah. different, yeah. whatever was the truth of the situation, because it's a parable. It, it didn't happen. Right? So, like, like it's not right. Like the 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 point isn't what really happened, because what really happened is Jesus told a story. Yeah. It's a made up story that makes a point, right? And even that little detail is hard to miss. Yeah. That you get that Jesus as narrator, you know, using a much more uh, careful way of putting it, right? But then when the older son's talking, he just uh, puts it right out there. This son of yours mm-hmm. who's, you know. So he's definitely ramping up the shame. He's trying yeah. to shame his father, right? Yeah, well, that's it's intentionally the, that's bringing shame right. on the father, yeah. right? Yeah, for him to have a sense of what, what has he done. That yeah. this is, this is, and the elder son in a sense is right, that this is more than just about the father, right? The father has had this <laughs> moment of celebration and exuberance and he's like this is more than about you right this is this is like it's, it's about me it's about uh, yeah and so now we're getting in a little bit into the heads of the pharisees and their opposition to jesus yeah. that like this is not just yes is there selfishness yes is there greed yes are they power hungry yes 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 that's all in the mix but it's not only that right yep. there's also a whole lot of uh if we don't follow the law, why would we expect God to come save us? Um, if our society rots from within because we don't live morally upright lives, are we going to be 
will be more rather than less oppressed by the Romans, right? Uh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they're, they're, this affects all of us. Yeah. You know, when you reward bad behavior, yeah. <laughs> you, you encourage more of it. Yeah. And Jesus has this way in all of these stories of sort of issuing a, it's, it's a deeper kind of honor challenge to them, which is to say, um, there's a party. Join the party, right? Um, you're missing out on, you know, the thing is happening. You keep trying to prepare. This is at least one way of taking it. In your attempts to live righteously, you're trying to prepare yourself for the arrival of God, right? For the arrival of the Messiah. But if the Messiah is here, why are you still preparing yourself for it? It's here. It's happening. It's now, right? Um, And I feel like there is something a little bit eschatological, even apocalyptic about this story. Um, even the reference to angels and all that. And de- he was dead, but now he's alive, right? These are resurrection uh, um, illusions, right? Again, it's all very subtle. It's not on the surface. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's trying to say, like, <laughs> we're in an utterly new time. And just like you said earlier, this father doesn't seem like he's following the same rules. And the answer is yes, he's not. He's operating according to a different economy, mm-hmm. right? A different the economy of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which doesn't uh, keep a record in the same way, right? Um, not being at the party, right, that celebrates the resurrection is the much greater sin than the social disturbance of who's yeah. up and who's down and who brought honor on who, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. So it's not that there isn't, you know, a standard. It's that the standard of coming to the party is the the great standard, yeah. right? Yeah. At least the younger son is in a posture to to know the father. The the elder son is maintaining a posture where he can't know him, right? It's the, nice. It's the, it's the ongoing. It's the ongoing sin. The, the younger son at least has had a repentant moment. Yeah, like we've seen that. But the younger son or the elder son is persistent in his rebellion. Or it's even in the. You say repentant in the sense of the blocking, whatever, whatever the state of his heart is, right? He is moving toward the father, mm-hmm. whereas the elder son is not. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, though, he's the one who stayed at home, yep. you know, he's holding back, right? Yep. And um, yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. I mean, the, the distance of the of the younger son's body from the father is matched by the distance of the elder son's heart from the hey there's a sermon somebody's <laughs> preaching well, with that let's take a short break deep breath and we'll uh, come back and see where we can run with this uh, sermon wise Yeah, what, what, where might you want to go with this? What's, what's your winkle this week? Your angle? If you're preaching this sermon, you're starting to work on it. Uh, I think I would I would play with that phrase when he came to his senses mm-hmm. and leave that as and then and then circle back back with a question of would would the elder son come to his senses? Ooh, because those those nice. are, we we all can find ourselves in those spots. Right? We can. If we haven't had prodigal moments of just saying, I want to be far from God, those moments will come. 
And to tell our people, one of the best things we can do for our people is anticipate in their lives what will will often be moments of spiritual struggle. Most people in their life will come to a point where they wish they could be far from God because of something that happens or how life is turning out or whatever else. And even if they don't think they'll anticipate it, we do tremendous spiritual guidance by alerting them that, hey, this will probably happen. It's not abnormal. Hmm. Right. And so so if they have prodigal moments in their background of wandering and wasteful and and drawing them back into that, or if they have uh, or if they will. Right. We can have this sense of coming to their senses or painting the picture of the how it's still very open ended for the elder son. How will he respond to the invitation of the father to the people who may be in the church who really have hearts that are far from God? Mm -hmm. even though they've been in the church and they've done the right things and they've given the right at the right times and they've been in the right places. And yet they still have this hardness from God and and likely in secret, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's why they're still in, because there's a way of they're upholding their honor, right? There's a way that that they're upholding their honor by being in the right places and doing the right things. And yet only they know the state of their heart is far from God. And yet God still sees those hearts. And this being a story of God leaving the party in a sense to come to them and asking, will they come ah. to their senses? I think that's, I think I'd really play on that and use both those sons as, as ways to get into our, um, exist existentialities. Is that a word? Yeah. Of our lives. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird one, but <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't use it. In a sermon. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> How about you? I think, well, I feel like there's three different sermons here. And part of me wants to say, well, it's a familiar passage. We should have, we should have 10, we should have 10 sermon ideas for our listeners this week. <laughs> See how many we can come up with. No, but, uh, uh, I really feel like the sermon looks a lot different, uh, depending on which of the three main characters I sort of focus in on. Right. So there's a, there's a sermon really directed towards, and, and it could be one sermon where you kind of, focus on different people in the room, so to speak. Right. Uh, but, uh, it would have a lot to do with the, the community I'm speaking to, but if I were to put it all in one sermon, it would definitely be a kind of, uh, speaking to when you kind of, you're speaking to someone who feels like, a, a younger son, right. Um, who's sort of strayed from God. And then it's, then it's a picture of the father waiting for you, running out, kissing, hugging, all of mm-hmm. that stuff is so powerful. Um, but then if it's the, if I wanted to focus more on the older son, like I really, that that's right now today, I feel like that's like the sermon that I'm the most ready to preach is the second one to kind of talk, say, what is our attitude towards those who, to whom God seems too generous too, you know, to kind of flip it around instead of the, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Right. Mm -hmm. And why is it, you know, um, to really maybe even a sermon on resentment, you know, Mm. like, I feel like I could write a halfway decent sermon on resentment here and just how we, and, and, and spend a lot of time like making a case that his resentment is justifiable. You know, like really kind of make them look good for a little bit, then turn the dagger around and say, but basically, you know, like to, to, to identify that the father is operating by a totally different economy, right? A totally different system here of expectations. So I kind of said that, so there's the sermon, basically, here's what I'm saying. This is a really terrible answer and, and confusing. I'm sorry, but it's like, 
there's the sermon I grew up hearing most, which was mostly on the first, and I could repeat that, right? There's the sermon I feel ready to preach today that's built around the older son and kind of really talking about how it is that we get ourselves caught in a corner of, of resentment. And I'd almost want to call it like, uh, I'd almost want to center around this phrase, you know, this son of yours, you know, right. <laughs> and play with humor around that. Yeah. Um, that would, could he, that would, that's even my, uh, stopgap. Uh, that's my placeholder title, even this son of yours, you know, I kind of, and, uh, then there's this sermon that I haven't, that I'm not ready to write yet, but there's got There's a sermon that's really focused in on the father yeah. and what it means to become, you know, a truly compassionate father who is not bound by who, who's, who doesn't let his own honor get in the way of his own ju- justice, get in the way of, of how he treats others. I don't feel like I'm ready for that sermon to write that sermon this week. Yeah. Although maybe that's a reason to start, but <laughs> did that make sense? The way I sketched yeah, yeah. that out yeah. um, in terms of just my own life. I feel like I'm in transition. I think a lot from, in those different phases of life. So it could have to do some of my age being 40 and just moving, resonating more with the father in the character, in the yeah. story. And like saying, like seeing the, the challenge there to the kind of father, um, I long to become, but I'm not ready to be, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and, and if the characters at the start, the tax collectors and sinners, are kind of gathered in with the younger son mm-hmm. and, the, and the uh, Pharisees and the teachers of the law are gathered in with the older son. Mm-hmm. Then the character around whom they're centered, of course, is Jesus, who's at the center of this, that they've gathered to hear him and they're muttering about him. I mean, even muttering makes me think about the, the, the persona of the older son, like what he's like uh-huh. muttering to himself, like talking to himself and, and frustrated and upset before the father comes out. Right. And so in essence, this invitation is to be a, like the father. And of course it's Jesus is the father figure. If the other two characters fit on the other side of that's him, right. gathered around him, and there is an invitation to become like him, right? To follow after him, to to count the cost, to to pattern our lives after him, and so I think that there's definitely ways that we can see ourselves um, and should see this as a as an invitation to be like the father, to be by being like the son. I mean, that's the. I mean, like father, like son. Great Trinitarian theology that you could tease out of this. That well, you asked a couple of weeks ago whether you could take the prodigal son language as yeah, and you said, "Has someone ever done that?" And I disappointed you by yeah. saying, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, well, like so, where, where Jesus could be the younger son—that's one route his his life could have taken. He could have been like the elder son—that's one route his life could have been taken. Even as those are symbolic of Israel as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. right? Those are symbolic of of Israel chasing after foreign gods and right. and committing adultery. And then there's those who stayed behind and and. Um, were had the element of bitterness and frustration right. and and angst against God. How he could let that happen, and and Jesus, who's the embodiment of Israel, could have done gone either of those ways in response to the Father. Um, yeah, another, and you could even play with it to kind of think. Like I know one of the ways that Henry Nouwen in his book on the Prodigal Son talks about it is that like that Christ is the true image of both older son, younger son, and a father. Mm. Right. So like he does. Because he, he goes on the journey that the younger son goes, mm-hmm. right? Um, not in a way that not in a way that defiles himself, but for the sake of our salvation, right? He well, goes. So this this I mean, like I said, I mentioned that. So 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 uh, Bart's uh, treatment of the doctrine of atonement has these two big sections, and the first section's called 
the way of the Son of God into the far country. Far country right. And the homecoming of the Son of yeah. Man, right? Yeah. So then it's the, the leaving and the coming back. Yeah. And But then what's helpful is to recognize that according, you, you could almost do it, this is a more classical way of doing it, but you could say like, according to his, but in another sense, according to his deity, he never left, right? In another sense, he's always with the Father, mm-hmm. right? The Father's always with him. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, he's like the elder son, mm-hmm. but in a way that he doesn't use, he, he does not consider his equality with God something to cling to, right? He precisely in his role as older son who stays home he intercedes for us yes right he he's on our side he wants to bring us home and include us have his honor cover us yeah 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 so i feel like they're especially in the season of lent and building up towards easter um making some kind of christological twist in the sermon at some point would be that'd be very me to do i would probably do that uh um whichever way i would go with this sermon um, and I feel like more I talk about it, I feel like the really I really got to focus in on the father's character. And and you could say that it's because Jesus knows who is, the heavenly father is, is why he's able to be so welcoming, um, but also is attempting to bring fraternal correction to the Pharisees, you know, because yeah. um, you're right. It ends on an open. It ends on an in, on an, on an invitation. Invitation. There. Uh, Join us. There, there's an image that I want to play with in my mind. So I have in mind the father is peering for the younger son. You could have this. Why is he doing that? It, maybe you would say because he loves hmm. the younger son, which would be true. Maybe you could say to protect him from the townspeople would be true. You ah. could also say he's peering after him to protect him from the elder brother. What what would have happened if the elder brother had have encountered the son before the father did? Right? There's and and in a way thinking he's protecting his father's honor, he's, he's, he might he have be, beat right? the, there, the Jesus you, out of him. <laughs> the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the father, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, mother, this matter, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And remember, they they told him like Herod wants to kill you. There was a way that they were trying to protect Jesus, and this might some of their oh. some of their concern about. Who's this guy hanging around with is a desire. could be. There's an element that they're trying to protect him, right? They're trying to protect Jesus. That his, Maybe they even have a sense of like who he could be. Not, I don't mean in the grandest sense, but like he's got the potential to be one yeah. difference maker. But if he keeps hanging around this riffraff, he's not going to have the blessing of God. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're trying to And they'll to have a pretext him. to, you know, I mean, Harry could have a pretext to, uh, question his That's authority right. or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. arrest him yeah right and, and so they're they're trying to be these anyways i'm just thinking it's, it's there's so many ways you can play with this like what what would have happened who is the father keeping it then that might be another way you could have a, a, a father-centered sermon is is um what's the language he has i'm looking when, for it yeah while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion and the implication of course is like you only see somebody who's a far away far if you're away looking off if you're looking right like the father, the father is looking, you know, and he's gone out to look for the son. He's gone out to look for the son who's close, but is outside. And he's kept an eye open for the son who's far away off um, and has been gone for a while. Anyway, so there's ways that you could use that as the, as the sermon. Right? The, Man, I just, a whole new sermon popped in my head. <laughs> it's, we can still use half this stuff, but Hebrews 2, right? I, that would be the cross reference I'd have to draw on. But there's a reference to there that he's not ashamed to call us brothers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's connected, in, of course, in the book of Hebrews to his intercession for us, right? Yeah. 
And to really paint a picture, right? That whoever you are in this story, right? Um, younger, older, either way, right? That we have an older brother, right? Who is yeah. not ashamed of us. Yeah. And who sticks up for us. Yeah. Um, who pleads our case before the father, who fights off enemies. I feel like that would be a fun contrast, like a different older brother. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause in a way, like Jesus is, Jesus is the father in the story, I think. But you could also see if you look at the story of the tax collectors and all that, like Jesus is, is cause Pharisees are rabbis. So Jesus is a rabbi, right? Yeah. Um, as far as the Sadducees could tell, they would assume he's a Pharisee too, right? They wouldn't yeah, be able to tell the difference. He's, family, a, he's a Galilean family. rabbi, right? Um, so you could almost see that he is the kind of older brother that the younger brother needs, right? Jesus yeah. is doing yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing that that the Pharisees are failing to do. Yeah. He's elder um, brothering the elder brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to play with that. I just feel like again with the Hebrews connection was the thought that popped in my head. Um, I preached a sermon one time on Hebrews too, in that phrase, "Not ashamed to call us brothers," and told a story of my brother like <laughs> when a bunch of uh, bunch I was in I was in middle school and my brother was a senior in high school at youth group. He's five years older than me, and we were uh, and man, he picked on me all the time. Like I mean, he didn't make my life great, but. Not when we were out in public, man. He was yeah. always had my back. And one time, a bunch of these girl like girls were teasing me because they like saw some like GI Joes or Army men or something in my room or something at a party or something, a church party after school and after church. And they were teasing me. And at one point, my brother just like interrupted. Him. He was having another conversation with like the older kids, and he was like, "He just, I want to set the record straight that I set that up with him. You know, like it was the whole story about how it was hit. It was, it was my idea." We set it up on that big map on his wall. And so if you're making fun of him, you're making fun of me. Like kind of that kind of thing. And I'd never heard a word from her again, you know, about that. And, um, and it was that kind of, you know, he is not ashamed of me, yeah. you know. Um, but I never thought of connecting it to this story. And I feel like it, it really, the, like, re, again, I wouldn't preach that old sermon. It's like we talked earlier when you say you want to not just reach for an old sermon, but start to write a new one and then go look at the old one and see if there's some stuff you can mm -hmm. double yeah. dip into. Yeah. And I think that's maybe yeah. one of the ways I would go. Well, it's been an hour. We went a bunch of directions. There's more than enough to work with here. I think that was a reaction. What was your, your oh, surprise? It went fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, fast hour. caffeine, Bible, <laughs> fresh text all works out. Yeah. This is a beautiful paragraph from, from uh, John Henry now. And I thought I would read not a poem exactly, but it's still good. As father, the only authority he claims for himself is the authority of compassion. That authority comes from letting the sins of his children pierce his heart. There is no lust, greed, anger, resentment, jealousy, or vengeance in his lost children that has not caused him immense grief. The grief is so deep because the heart is so pure. From the deep inner place where love embraces all human grief, the father reaches out to his children. The touch of his hands, radiating inner light, seeks only to heal. Here is the God I want to believe in. A father who, from the beginning of creation, has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing, 
never forcing anyone to himself, but always waiting, never letting his arms drop down in despair, but always hoping that his children will return so that he can speak words of love to them and let his tired arms rest on their shoulders. His only desire is to bless. Here is the God I want to believe in. I thought that was pretty good, Morris Sharon. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for another great week, all of our listeners, and to you, Aaron, our uh, regular guest. I always love doing this with you. I hope you had fun yeah, this time. Fun. Mm-hmm. Got anything to plug? This will be coming out at the end of March. So anything coming up in April or May, any books coming out, stuff coming out, or just normal stuff, keep an eye out on the Wesley Seminary podcast. And Yeah. Uh, if we've got any listeners that are uh, – Send me a note. I got a free ebook for them. Seminary bought a bunch of ebooks. Oh. I'd be glad to to send them the the coupon code that'll get them a free little ebook I did on preaching. Oh, good. Putting the plot back in preaching, so that'd be helpful for perhaps some listeners. But they're welcome to contact me about that. I'd be glad to send that okay. to them. So, what's the Aaron, best way to Aaron dot Perry at Indwes i n d w e s dot edu Aaron dot Perry at Indwes dot edu. I'd be glad to send them a coupon code. If you've got people interested in, in doing D-Min, love to talk to them about D-Min. Of course, if people are interested in doing graduate education, we w- either of us would love to talk to them about Western yeah. Seminary. And that... Um, MDiv, a whole bunch of MAs, oh, lots man. of possibilities. Uh, yeah. yeah, working on a book on C.S. Lewis, so that's going to be a, wide, a ways out on some philosophy okay. leadership from Lewis, but it's fun. It's fun uh, delving into some of that fiction. So yeah, hopefully that'll just be a, bu- a plug in the ear for you know two years down the line, whenever it's yeah, sure. been done and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a I've got a elective coming up in May called Easter, a course called Easter that I love teaching. Um, there's some stuff out on social about that. I shot a video talking about it, just explaining it a little bit. But um, if you're a seminary student at Wesley Seminary, and you want to take that class, please sign up. It'd be great to have you. And uh, um, if you're not and you are thinking about it, you can sign up for that class. It doesn't have prereqs, so it's a thing that I mean. It might be a little hard to jump in deep in, but if you're just interested in maybe some continuing education or maybe getting started uh, in a seminary uh, uh, process, uh, it'd be great to have you. So that's late in May. Um, so just, uh, yeah, give me a ring or uh, just call the, the seminary or um, uh, email the seminary and you'll be able to get logged on for that. So awesome. Okay. Well, I don't think I have anything else. Just a big thank you to uh, Eric uh, Fisher for producing Week in, week out, he does great work. And uh, thanks to Tom for donating the music, Tom Adamson. And most of all, we'll just say, have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.